0: This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello, and welcome to Coffee House Shots and Spectators' Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Balls. I'm joined by Isabel Hardman from Parliament, where we have just witnessed the first Prime Minister's questions of 2023. Isabel, were
1: you blown away? Yeah, Katie, you really built that up. And I'm afraid that it was somewhat anticlimactic for for anyone who's expecting it to be exciting. Look, Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak, both to one extent or another, make a virtue out of being quite boring. And that's probably what the uh, British public wants, given the psychodrama of the past few years within the Tory party in particular. It did run along the lines that most of us had expected, which was uh, Sunak's private healthcare Strikes in the NHS and the general state of the NHS. And Sunak decided to use the first question of the session to say that he has had treatment from the independent sector, something he was refusing to engage with at the weekend, saying it was a private matter. I mean, as we've said, you know, that's just not a line that's going to hold, particularly uh, when it comes to the NHS, and you might as well just get it all out there and move on with your life. Um, And so he decided to do that for... Today's session, um, and then was attacked by Starmer for presiding over a decade of managed decline in the health service, of not getting around the table with the, with the trade unions on the strikes. But really for Starmer, the the attack was about the state of public services rather than uh, whether or not the government was resolving the, the industrial action and pay issue per se. I think that Dharma probably had a slightly better PMQs than Sunak, and that's partly because of circumstances, which is that the NHS is, as he said correctly, I think, in its worst crisis in its history, and so it's very difficult for the Prime Minister at the end of thirteen years of the Tories in power to to really get the upper hand on this issue. And I, I don't think Sunak managed to, to to make much ground with that. I mean, he had some, you know, he had some good lines. Uh, Particularly about this slightly odd proposal from West Streeting to effectively nationalise GPs, where he quoted the head of the Nuffield Trust saying it would cost a fortune and uh, was out of date and said that's just like the Labour Party but by and large I think this was an easy win for Starmer.
0: On that policy boat, uh, you know West Streeting has spoken about so the GP one, there's been uh, hints of shadow cabinet unease yes. um, in the sense that some saying West Streeting didn't actually flag this to Rachel Reeves in advance who's of course the shadow Chancellor um, therefore it's not costed, it could be quite expensive and you have a Chancellor and also a Labour leader who this weekend interviewed The Guardian is trying to say you know fiscal restraint, fiscal restraint so it, it does go off message for a
1: bit. Yeah, I think this is an issue for West Streeting actually is that he he's a very effective politician. He's very engaging. But I think he does have a tendency to sometimes get a bit carried away. So he's very keen to be the reforming shadow health secretary and, you know, soon to be uh, if uh, all the polls and sort of bets bets are correct, actual health secretary. But I think that can lead him into places that he hasn't really thought through. So on this GP reform and then a, an earlier example of it was when he he got a lot of praise for interviewing in the very toxic um, gender debate by uh, amazing people by stating that, you know, uh, women have vaginas and men have penises, which was something that he, a lot of his colleagues at the time were really struggling with. And I think he then was so pleased with his sort of common sense politics that a few days later, he then announced that he'd been slapped as a child and it didn't do him any harm which is a slightly different issue. And, 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 you know, all of the studies suggest that being smacked as a child actually does do you quite a bit of harm. And why go there? So I think that there's a sort of pattern there with West Streeting that he, he gets a little bit overconfident, potentially. And as you say, that is an issue for Rachel Reeves, who has been obsessed with not letting anyone announce anything uh, w- without a full costing. And that has sometimes made the Labour Party machine seem quite slow, but it probably is to its benefit long term. And before we talk about the other issues
0: of the day, which was the whip being suspended by a former now Tory MP, when it comes to Rishi Sunak, as you correctly say as well, it felt so, though, and we discussed earlier the week on the podcast, the rights and wrong of whether people actually care about private healthcare and whether you use it, and the fact that some people would actually praise Rishi Sinek for using it if he has the opportunity, takes the strain off, but then they'll say just say it, don't get around it. Yeah. What do you think has happened between now and Sunday? Because they could have really stopped about, you know, several days of speculation if it just had an answer prepared on a flagship TV interview that was going to be pretty long.
1: I mean, I, I, you may have more insight into this than I do, Katie, but my sense is that actually, in preparing for PMQs, the Prime Minister and his team looked back over the write-ups that his Sunday interview had got and concluded that it was the wrong decision. And, there was a mistake there, yeah. And you can you, you know you can see the logic behind saying this is a private matter, but it hadn't worked, and people were unimpressed on both sides of the debate, whether they were people who you know, think the NHS is useless and that everyone should go private or people who think that going private means that you want to destroy the NHS tomorrow. No one was happy with it. So why stick to it? Why not just get it out of the way? Um, Now... Ahead of Prime Minister's Questions,
0: there was a tweet that Andrew Bridges sent uh, regarding vaccines, in which he claimed a consulting cardiologist had said that um, the vaccines would be the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust. Now, this quickly received widespread condemnation, including from Tory MPs who contacted the Whip's office before Prime Minister's Questions. They withdrew the Whip. I think had they not, it was quite inevitable what was going to dominate the entire session. H- how damaging is this uh, in terms of? Uh, I mean, Andrew Bridgeman has been making not Holocaust-related comments, but quite controversial comments on this subject for a while now.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did claim that, I think it was MI5 had, had known about the pandemic six months before it happened or something like that. So I'd say that he's probably had more leeway than you might expect on this for, for quite a while. But bringing the Holocaust into it was quite an obvious uh, line uh, that he crossed. But a lot of a lot of MPs have been really uncomfortable with the campaign he's been waging for quite a while because on a very raw political level they're very really proud of the vaccination program it's one of the few things they've actually accomplished so they like to boast about it rather than have some guys suggesting that it's actually a genocide but also from a public health perspective which is obviously the more important thing they want people to to accept that vaccines work and there's a huge amount of disinformation out there anyway but, it's not helpful when members of parliament who have a respected role in society and are you know able to lead debates uh, then go down those conspiracy theory rabbit holes as well.
0: And Isabel Andrew Bridgen, uh losing the whip adds to the number of former Tory MPs. Yeah, are there <laughs> now
1: more independent MPs in the Commons than Lib Dems? I saw, I think it was Henry Dye from the Guardian said that. Yeah, well, it's That's definitely so yes, it's definitely racking up, <laughs>
0: and of course that adds to an issue with party discipline. Yeah when you just look purely at that what what it means for arithmetic I mean there's some I I think I pointed out that Andrew Bridget not being a Tory MP could be good news to Rishi Sunak given the number of times (laughs) it's often been briefed he might write a letter
1: yeah can you write a letter asking for the removal of someone whose party you're not officially in I'm sure he will anyway at some point Uh, exactly but I think it'll be interesting
0: just in terms of when you're ready, and I and I think you know we're speaking on a week where the story of the Boris come, comeback will not die. Though it, it will never die, it, it, will, never it die. will never die. I think it die. it's safe to say that it does not feel as a, you know two people who've been speaking to MPs most of the week as though it is yet yeah, a mass movement. Um, no, it's not even
1: really a talking point amongst MPs, is it? They they've got lots of other things to talk about, and they're like, oh yeah, Boris, you know, um, in the same breath as Prince Harry quite often which is bad for both of them, I feel. But I suppose with, uh, you know, looking ahead
0: when Richard knows that majority 80 isn't really... Right, so the, the more MPs you lose without the whip, probably it just adds to that sense yeah. that legislation's going to be trickier. What's your
1: reading of what the party unity situation is for the Tories?
0: I mean, I think Rishi Sunak succeeded in bringing calm after the past year, but we're probably talking quite a low bar in terms of what that means for Tory unity and morale. So, I mean, I think the party seems in a better place than it has done for probably the past six months in terms Mm. of where the various factions are. But you also have Rishi Sunak trying to be very risk averse in terms of, what he brings to the commons, what he decides to get rid of in terms of barnacles off the boat. And of course, with things like Channel 4 and the fact that they're on privatisation, that is something where by dropping it, you've pleased one wing of the party, but you upset another. And if I think it's just a balancing act and you've got to work what is coming up the track, which is going to be like the next flare issue. Right now, I wonder if it could be the protocol potentially and the fact that you do have a situation where If there's going to be an agreement, you're hearing positives on talks. Well, how how is that received by the right of the party and the ERG? But I think in terms of legislation, they're trying to be very careful about what they bring because they just know how fragile it is. Thank you, Katie. Thank Thank you you for listening. (laughs) Thank you, Isabel. (laughs)